Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nerd Degree! Hello everyone and welcome to the Nerd Degree. I am your host, Brendan Bennett, and today we have our Christmas special episode where we will be looking at all aspects of Christmas. Yeah, like presents and stuff. Uh, So we have two teams of nerds who will be trying to answer these questions as best they can, for which they will get points, and then one team will win, and they will get the prize of knowing that they won. Um, So uh, let's meet our teams. uh, I'd like you to introduce yourself, and I'd like you to say, what was the present that you got that made you the happiest like in your life? Hi there, my name is uh, Jeff Clark, and I'm an improviser, writer, performer, and um, the, the although uh, this year I had bought myself the um, Lego Ultimate Batmobile from the <laughs> Lego Batman movie, and I'm pretty happy about that. Hey, I and can it, confirm <laughs> that he is very, very happy I'm very about happy it. very happy in anticipation of that. But um, probably the present I got that made me the happiest was um, a present that my wife and kids bought me, which was a uh, sketch pad which um, was given to me with the instructions that I was only allowed to use it to design my puppets. Aww. Mm. Mm, that's very nice. Yes. Um, hi, I'm Karen, and my best ever favourite gift is not actually one that I can remember having because I was two at the time, but it is a matter of family law that the moment I unwrapped the tiny ukulele, I did not let it go even to sleep with for about three weeks, uh, and that is the gift that has made me the happiest. Oh, that's nice, and that's, that's why you're so good at that's playing ukulele. That's why I'm such a talented musician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Together you have formed a team. What is your team called? Our team is named after our favourite Christmas movie. We are Die, Die Hard. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, thank you, Die Hard. All right, uh, and on this side we have... Oh, kia ora. Um, my name's Moa Smider and I'm a librarian, writer, web monkey. And the Christmas present that I got that made me the happiest... It wasn't the one that I, when I first opened it, had the biggest impact, but over the years it has made me quite happy. It was a book. Um, It was a New Zealand picture book. It was called Pukanui and his friend Moasa Moa. And it was the first time, I was six years old, and it was the first time I'd ever seen my name in print anywhere. You know, like if your name's Andrew or Mary or... Sarah, you probably see your name written in lots of places, but I'd never seen my name anywhere. Um, and so that was representation matters, guys. Yeah. It, was, um, it was quite oh, good, and it's it sort of made me happy over the years. And now I read it to my little boy, whose name is not Moata. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find another book for him. Pukunui was so great. It was so good. Uh, kia ora tato. My name is Erin Harrington and I'm a horror academic and uh, a theatre critic and so on. And I tried really hard to think about one gift that kind of stood out above them all and I couldn't. But what I could think of is the gift that made me the saddest or, <laughs> or, or perhaps the, the angriest. Um, so I, I love buying presents for people and I kind of go totally down the rabbit hole trying to find something really specific and and just kind of totally... Yeah, I, I, 
I expend far too much energy. And in uh, my, my previous relationship, I'd gone and gone out of my way to try and find these very esoteric pop culture things from the uh, city in the UK that my ex-partner was from. And I'd arranged with a person he'd been to high school with to kind of get it shipped over in time and something else in a book that was a pre-order and all these other kind of things. And I was just so pleased with myself. And then on Christmas morning, my Christmas present was a, um, a fan that had been on special at Kmart. And, um, and, and even better than that was um, one of those novelty gifts that you can get from like Cosmic Corner, which was a little box that you put batteries in and you pressed different coloured buttons on it and it said, fuck, in different accents from around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and we were no longer in a relationship six weeks later. Because so. yeah. you were angry that he'd done so much better than you. <laughs> <laughs> right, you were pushing uh, all those buttons. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I kind of was. But, so, yeah. uh, and together you are a team? What is yes, your team called? Yes, we are the Ho Ho Ho's. The Ho Ho Ho's. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ho Ho Ho's. And we also have someone keeping track of the scores in the sound booth. We have Ben Allen. How are you doing? How are you doing, Ben? Ho 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 ho, Brendan. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I've been keeping track of who's going to be naughty and who's going to be nice. One team will win plaudits in their stocking, while the other will receive only. A lump of coal? <laughs> Polluting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, should I call you Ben or should I call you Santa? Oh, ho, ho. you can call me whatever you like, Brendan. Please. All right, thank you, Ben. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Our first round is the Nerd Quotient Round, where I will be testing your knowledge on all things Christmas-related. Could the teams please roll for initiative? Eleven. Four. All right, 11 has it. That's the ho-ho-hos. Uh, so the first question is, which famous Christmas character's popular form was defined by a corporation for advertising purposes? Is this a trick question? <laughs> is this like QI? It's going to like flash yeah. <laughs> do, do we get klaxons if we say Coca-Cola? You, well, it's can, not QI, but you would have the wrong answer. Can, can Ben make womp, womp, womp noises? Because we said the, the correct wrong answer. So... Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're right that it's not Santa. Okay. So a Christmas character, a mm. well-known Christmas character, mm, is it Ro- Rudolph? It is Rudolph. Oh, yes. shit. Right. Now I need to back that up with reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. I've got that. So uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was created in 1939 by Chicago-based writer Montgomery Ward. Uh, sorry, no. The writer was Robert L. May. It was for the uh, department store, Montgomery Ward, and um, they just wanted like a, like a colouring in book kind of thing that they, mm. or like a little book that they could give away um, to customers. Can, so I, wrote, can I just admit something? I didn't know what Montgomery Ward was. My only understanding of Montgomery Ward is in um, t- the, the film Top Secret where Val Kilmer tells somebody that he just put them on the Montgomery Ward mailing list. And I was like, <laughs> I just assumed it was, I don't know, like a the, Well, this is like more information than you require. A... But uh, as I was researching this, I had to look it up. And there's two different companies called Montgomery Ward. One, the department store the, with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and the other is some kind of mail order delivery service, right. which I think is being referenced in that. Um, 
So that is not at all interesting, <laughs> but it's true. Footnote. Um, well done. Let's move on to the next question. Um, on a similar topic, what's the issue with popular Christmas song Jingle Bells? What's the issue with it? Yeah, what's the issue with it? It's very annoying. <laughs> Sure, but it's not the most annoying. <laughs> well, a one-horse open sleigh is very, um, very foolhardy very in the midst of winter. Um, mm-hmm. You need at least two horse. Yeah, you want a match team. <laughs> and a two-horse closed sleigh would be ideal because you've got a reserve horse in case one of them gets overly cold. <laughs> and the closed oh, in case one of them dies, you have to cut it open and crawl yeah. inside yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't be laughing all the way and like blinding blizzards. You'd be going. <laughs> The real yeah, issue is that it's Elmo's Elmo's song from Elmo's world. Yes, yeah, and, and yeah. I mean they're also singing. They're also travelling at night. You know, a, a laugh and, what, oh, what fun it is to laugh and sing a slang song tonight. You don't take a, a sleigh ride at night because the visibility it's is dangerous. poor. Yeah. It's very dangerous. Also, People will hear you like, coming. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing, though. Have you ever met a horse? Horses shy away from, like, the wisp of a plastic bag half a paddock away. Jingling bells are not going to be good for a horse. Mm. Interesting. So you haven't picked up on the major problem with jingle bells. It makes no reference to Christmas or any element of Christmas at all because it's not a Christmas song. (laughs) It was written for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it refers to, like, winter and snow, um, and so people have kind of assumed that it's a Christmas song. But, no, it was written for Thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, all right, next question. In 2005, uh, Forbes magazine listed Santa as the richest fictional character in the world. <laughs> this year, Santa didn't even make the top ten list. Mm. Uh, so I will give you points for any fictional characters that you can name that will be on the top ten list. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, number one with a ball. Woo! Hey. Scrooge $65.4 billion is the estimated wealth for him. Richie Rich. Richie Rich is number seven, yes. Ooh. Points for that. Uh, uh, Montgomery Ward. I mean, Montgomery Burns. <laughs> Montgomery Burns, number ten. Ooh, yes. ooh, ooh. Um, Daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks, no. He was oh. on the, uh, he was on the uh, 2005 list, but he dropped off it as well. Okay. Uh, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, yeah, number four. Oh. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Yep, number six. <laughs> Tony's happy about that. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, one. So number three on the list. Uh, his wealth is largely due to compound interest. <laughs> Philip J. Fry. Uh, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> should be. <laughs> yep. No. Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. No. No. Uh, someone more recent. Than that. Steve Rogers? And someone dreamier. Than Steve Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> Carlisle <Dave> Cullen. <laughs> oh! <laughs> From the Twilight series. So, oh. being a vampire, he's been around for a really long time. Um, Sparkles coming, never go out of fashion. Coming in uh, above him at number two. Uh, someone who certainly has acquired a lot of wealth. Not uh, paper money, definitely. That would not last long. Smaug. Smaug is correct. Mm. Smaug is number two. Um, uh, number five, we have uh, Charles Foster Kane. Uh, <laughs> Just hanging in there still. <laughs> number nine, Tywin Lannister. Uh, number eight, um, we have another character with a lot of money. 
um, and tends to use it for his own uh, satisfaction. Bruce Wayne? Uh, Bruce Wayne is number six. Already on the list, yeah. Uh, who else would be? He gets their own satisfaction. Mick Jagger. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's not a he, is, he is, <laughs> he is actually a real person. I know this oh, is shocking. I thought it was like, a, like a rubber actually, mask. Actually, Mick Jagger passed away in 1990. And <laughs> <laughs> Technically, he's a fictional character. Mm. Um, he's a Keith Richards hand puppet. <laughs> 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 Activate the next Keith Richards. <laughs> uh, number eight on the list, Christian Grey. Christian Grey. Uh. <laughs> where are all the women, Brendan? Yeah, where are the women, Brendan? Uh, oh, Mom. oh, okay. Mom from Futurama. There's if we go if we go a little bit lower, uh, there are two women on the list mm. at twelve and fourteen. Mm. Uh, any ideas? No. Mom. <laughs> where are the women, Aaron? <laughs> Come on, Mom. Mom from Futurama. Yep. Or uh, Cersei Lannister. Having acquired the... No, that's just family wealth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At number 12, we have Lara Croft. Really? Oh, well, she's that's, a lot of, rich, that's a lot right? of writing. Well, she's funding a lot of archaeological digs. <laughs> and yeah. At number 14, we have Lady Mary Crawley oh, from wow. Downton, Downton Abbey. Abbey. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, yeah, they did lose all their money, didn't they? <laughs> I guess they, they've picked a specific point in time. That brings us to the end of our nerd quotient round. Uh, ben, an oh, update oh, on the scores. Oh, 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 oh Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> the scores are looking even with Die Hard on four and the Ho Ho Ho's on four as well. <laughs> okay, all right, so. Um, Maybe we can maybe we can differentiate now when we move into the homework round. For the homework round, I have asked each of the players to uh, prepare a classic Christmas story, but to retell it with a uh, with a modern spin. Um, so, Erin, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like you to go first, and then uh, Karen after that. Sure. Uh, so, Erin. Uh, what's your classic Christmas story? Uh, my classic Christmas story is an editorial from the late 1800s called Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus. Okay, yep. and you've put a modern twist on that? I have. Uh, eight-year-old Virginia O'Hanlon wrote a desperate letter to the editor of the New York Sun, and the quick response was printed as an unsigned editorial September 21st, 1897, as we all know. While the work was attributed to veteran newsman Francis Farsalis Church and has since become the uh, history's most reprinted newspaper editorial, he denied having penned the response or even having seen the original letter and, in fact, was never seen again. Dear editor, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no scary clown. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, it is so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a scary clown? Virginia O'Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street, Derry, Maine. (laughs) Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the scepticism of a sceptical age, an age shaped by remakes and adaptations and projects lingering in development hell. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their puny little minds, saving significant literary back catalogues and sprawling mythologies. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's or those of family dogs bit by rabid bats, are little and incapable. In this great macroverse of ours, man is mere insect and ant, and his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, is measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole truth and knowledge because all things serve the beam. Yes, Virginia, there is a Pennywise. He exists as certainly 
as paper boats and silver bicycles and historic hate crimes exist, and you know that they abound and give your life its highest beauty and eldritch joy. Alas, how dreary would the world be if there were no Pennywise. There would be no abject fear then, no deliciously postmodern nostalgic small-town nightmares to make intolerable this bleak, short, and futile existence, no cashing in on the popularity of an improbably prolific author, nor the popularity of 80s throwbacks. Not believe in Pennywise, you might as well not believe in girls with telekinesis or girls with pyrokinesis. Or a film about a woman chained to a bed that improbably does something quite good with a limited scenario. You might get your papa to hire men to watch in all the drains on Christmas Eve to catch Pennywise, but even if they did not see Pennywise slithering up, what would that prove? Nobody sees Pennywise and survives, and that is no sign that there is no Pennywise. <laughs> the most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see ghosts tending bar in deserted hotels or children being buried and raised from the dead? Did you ever see a man dig his way out of prison and with a teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, little, tiny hammer? <laughs> of course not, but that's not proof that they are not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all of the wonders that are unseen and unseeable in this world. You may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside. Stolen teeth and finger bones, probably. And if not, there's a short story about it in due course. <laughs> but there is a veil covering the unseen world that not the strongest man, nor even the united strength of all the strongest gunslingers that ever lived, could tear apart. All things, again, serve the beam. Only faith, fantasy, poetry, love, romance can push aside that curtain and view and picture the supernatural beauty and glory of the deadlights. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia, in all the world, there is nothing else as real and abiding as a giant Lovecraftian spider monster. Beep, beep, Richie. No, Pennywise. Thank Maturin the turtle. He lives, and he lives forever, and will reappear every 27 years to feast on your flesh as he feeds on your fear. A thousand years from now, Georgie, I mean Virginia, nay, ten years, ten thousand <laughs> years from now, I will continue to make glad the heart of child, and there's nothing you nor your shitty little friends can do to stop me. We all flow, ho, 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 Hoped down here. Merry Christmas. P.S. Steve says hi. <laughs> Aaron Harrington, everyone. Absolutely terrifying. Um, wow. Can, can I just add that most of that language was in the original? It's yeah. just the moment you take out Santa Claus and put in a monster, it kind of recasts. Yeah, it's, it's kind of horrifying. Um, all right. Karen? I've uh, also got something um, that uses a lot of language from the original. So mine is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, rewritten for the days of hashtag me too. <laughs> And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God onto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, Thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary, and Mary said, hang on just a motherfucking minute. And the angel said, what? And Mary said, did you seriously just appear in my home to tell me that your boss plans to impregnate me? And the angel said, he's your boss too. He's like the boss of everyone. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And Mary said, 
So this isn't just some dude sending his friend along to tell me he wants to impregnate me, like the creepiest high school do you like me note ever. This is a virgin fetishist with incredible power, like the most power, like there has never been a bigger power imbalance than this one right now, and he expects me to be all, oh, behold the handmaid of the Lord. And the angel said, yes. And Mary said, yeah, that's not okay. Maybe if this year I hadn't heard so many people speak out about workplace harassment and the endless stinking swamp of sexual harassment most women wade through every day, I'd lie down for this. But thanks to them, my feelings have been validated and my experiences are not unusual and I know that this is wrong. Powerful older men hitting on teenage girls isn't right or good or normal. Suck it, Ray Moore. I am standing up (laughs) and speaking out and I am saying no. Be it unto me according to my word. And the angel, baffled entirely by the notion that powerful men might face consequences for preying on less powerful women, but feeling nonetheless some unease, as if the ground were shifting beneath his spotless feet, departed from her and came unto her no more. And yet King Herod's still in power. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, oh boy, that's really, that's really difficult to uh, uh, score. So uh, I will leave that up to Ben to come up with the scores. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh Brendan. Meryl Streep. <laughs> um, so, Ben, can we get an update on the scores? No. No, no. <laughs> Great. Then we will then we will move on to our next round. Um, this is the Christmas traditions round. So uh, what I will do is I will describe a famous Christmas tradition, and I want you to tell me what the origin of that tradition was. Now you can get points for correctly identifying what the origin of it is, but uh, I will also give you points if you can come up with a better origin for the tradition. Okay, so. Uh, our first tradition is hanging out stockings. So, yes, Erin. Is this for when uh, someone tries to shimmy down the um, chimney and gets stuck and you need to wait for the ambulance to come and in the middle of all of this, they're getting hypothermic because the fire's definitely not going. So you give them socks to make sure that at least a small part of them is going to be okay. And that's a way that we can remember our, our love to our common man and um, cat burglar. Oh, well, that's that's a, a very believable reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is actually a crossover between the elves and the shoemaker, which was originally written for the Christmas season. Mm. But sure. um, it's it, it, the, the the right author partway through the draft realised that it didn't have the all year round marketability that they wanted, so they rewrote it to just be a generic uh, shoemaker for any time of year for the elves, and but uh, still launched a range of Christmas themed stockings and managed to get that spread around the populace. That's vaguely vaguely in the ballpark of a real answer. Uh, Karen? Oh, um, so this is actually, it's a Christmas tradition that doesn't come from a human tradition. 
Um, this is the Christmas tradition of the um, tumble dryer goblin, mm. who steals your single socks throughout the year and then hangs them out. And humans, of course, had seized upon some of this idea, but um, obviously it got all mixed up and we think we're eating presents. That, that was very close to, to where I was going, except I was going to posit that this was the sacrifice of all of the remaining socks ah. so that they can meet their pairs in great sock heaven. Yeah. This is some very convincing explanations. So there are two... Uh, two theories for the actual origin. Uh, one is that in 3rd century uh, Turkey, uh, St. Nicholas would throw coins down the chimneys of poor women who couldn't afford dowries, um, and the, the money would land in stockings that were hung over the fire to dry. Like a, like a whitebait net. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Or like a, a very kind of distance uh, version of like putting some... Uh, dollar bills in like a garter um, <laughs> or uh, hanging stockings maybe comes from the Dutch custom of leaving shoes packed with food for St. Nicholas's donkeys um, he would <laughs> or sometimes uh, s- straw in shoes for mm. the donkeys mm. and then St. Nicholas would leave gifts in return okay uh, the origin of the candy cane that's to catch elves with like you lure the elf in with the can- with the candy, and then you hook it around the neck and you punch it until it gives you all the presents that it's got. It's kind of a leprechaun kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's because the gingerbread man, after you eat one of his legs, <laughs> needs an aid to walking because he's got to run, run as fast as he can. He's only got one leg now, so then he needs the candy cane. He's only got to run as fast as he can. Well, that's run. You're not hot. (laughs) Were they they utilised at the North Pole talent show? (laughs) 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 See, see, I was wondering if it was um, designed for for parents of small children, such as many of you, so that when children are crying that they just want some sweets, you can go, oh, we don't have anything left, but we do have the candy canes, and they go, I don't like candy canes, (laughs) and then the children don't get any sweets and everyone's happy. Wait, wait, I actually actually know where this is from. Um, In Santa Claus the Movie um, in the 1980s starring uh, Dudley Moore, uh, the candy canes were initially marketed uh, containing a small amount of fairy dust to allow um, children and adults to gain temporary flying ability because obviously Dudley Moore's character had had put himself into exile from the North Pole in order to find his own way and had been befriended by an unscrupulous businessman. Uh, the problem is that the candy canes, whilst popular, meant that next year they had to outdo themselves, which is when he used the much more volatile puce lollipops, which um, almost caught fire and exploded as he took his rival sleigh out there to take away people's belief in Santa Claus. But ultimately, Santa Claus saved him. Candy canes are really just a hangover from the 80s greeters. So, good. so yeah. you're saying that candy canes were invented in the 80s? By Dudley Moore. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's also no other use for peppermint essence. <laughs> so you, I mean, you were close. They were, they were made in the 1670 by a <laughs> uh, by a German choir master to help children endure lengthy nativity services. <laughs> um, so they were they were modelled after uh, shepherds' canes mm. from the the nativity mm. story. Um, okay. Did they uh, just get like? Get halfway through them, get bored, and stick them to the sheep. Oh, you, you know, you always like you sharpen it into yeah. a yes. like a, like shiver, a shiver. and that's how candy floss was invented. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, the tradition of abbreviating Christmas to Xmas. 
uh, atheist sinners trying to take away from the um, yep. holiday of our Lord. Uh, Christians. Um, <laughs> no, um, X has been a, a symbol of Christ because it's like the cross only slightly uh, for, for ages and ages. So those Christians who get up, to, up tight about Xmas being Xmas. Like my grandma. Yeah, are actually getting upset at Christian traditionalists. Well, uh, Professor Charles Xavier in the attempt <laughs> to increase uh, human ho- homo sapiens homo superior relations uh, tried to launch this in 19, 1969 mm. uh, uh, a year after the opening That was of, the year uh, of XXXmas Yes, yeah absolutely <laughs> um, he, he just tried to sort of kick it off to see if it was uh, going to improve things, it didn't is it just a desperate attempt to get people interested in maths and multiplication tables? <laughs> <laughs> multiplication maths. So, Karen, I have a, I have a slightly different uh, answer to what you gave, though similar. So the, um, the first letter in the Greek word for Christ is chi, which is a, an X. And so um, that, that's where the abbreviation oh, that makes came sense. from. That makes more sense, because actually it was Paul who was like on the twisty one. Mm. Maybe it was John. One of them was on a twisty one. Mm. Roman so Catholic it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the X-Men, it would have been the Chimmen. That's the drink that, that, that knows, knows its own, own name. name. <laughs> it's the holiday that knows its own name. <laughs> the, the mutant team that knows its own name. Did you know Santa Claus was a mutant in the X-Men? Mm. Yeah, in the X-Men comics, Santa Claus is a mutant and that's how he gets all the presents into everybody's around the world wow. so fast. Yeah. Um, He's not a good mutant. It's kind of like Nightcrawler's mm. ability. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, the tradition of wearing ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> My mum, circa 1984. <laughs> so about the time candy canes were invented. <laughs> is, it, is it a tradition? Well, oh, Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> but, but was it a marketing ploy by some place like Montgomery Ward that wanted to get rid of all its excess stock that said you have to wear these grotesque kind of monstrosities and buy one for all your friends? Oh, was, did it originate in uh, London where um, people would get clothes that they didn't want and then they'd donate it to the poor? And so all because there were a lot more poor people walking around, they'd put on the jerseys and they'd have these... Ugly jerseys on. And then hipsters would steal them from them and wear them ironically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think hipsters is the key here. Um, so, <laughs> Yes! According, Finally, hipsters have come in handy. According to the Ugly Christmas Sweater Party Book, uh, the Ugly Sweater Party Trend uh, can be traced back to a specific party in 2001 held in Vancouver uh, when the tradition of wearing specifically ugly Christmas sweaters started. Mm. All right, uh, leaving cookies and milk for Santa. That tradition, where does that come from? Harried parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I've already how started. Does that, how does that help? Well, like we've, been re- we've been reading this book and it's like it's got leaving cookies and milk out for Santa. And I'm like, and brandy. I think that Santa would really like some of those chocolate lint balls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? And would he maybe like... A nice bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he doesn't know any better, so like, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're passed out on the floor next to it in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's what I'm here's what I'm told. I this goes. Was, I thought it was bait. It's just Santa bait. But but also, <laughs> I I isn't 
isn't Santa like a noted cannibal? So that if you leave what? him, if you leave him like sweet, boozy snacks, then he he won't eat the children. He'll just eat the snacks and like move along. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought Krampus just put children in his bag. Whether or not they were it is still a matter of mystery. He's dry. Yeah, we'll get to that one. I haven't watched it yet. Um, so God, according to Norse mythology, um, Odin had an eight-legged horse named Slipner. Slipner. <laughs> Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> um, and so children would leave out uh, treats for Slipner. Who was uh, Loki's son, by the way. Hoping that Odin would favour them with gifts in return. Um, all right, uh, so uh, a couple of other classic uh, Christmas traditions. Placing a live carp in your bathtub. <laughs> what was the origin of that one? That's got to be... Have, yeah. you guys, have you guys placed your carp? Already? No, I'm waiting to. You've got to get onto that. Sometimes you just got a lot of cousins to feed. Yeah, and you're going to need some kind of carp or something. Yeah, I feel this is the Icelandic tradition that was like teased in the Star Wars. Uh, this is an it's Eastern Eastern European tradition. Oh, is it? It's uh, it's not like those little fish that give you like um, uh, like you you put your feet in the thing they nibble oh, all they, the dead skin off. Pedicure. Yeah, they give you a pedicure. Is it a carp pedicure for Christmas? Is it everyone's favourite gift, a carp pedicure? <laughs> <laughs> Just unwrap that. Um, so the, uh, in, I'm told, in parts of Eastern Europe, it's customary to place a live carp in your bathtub for consumption on Christmas Eve um, due to the fish's vital role in the area's, area's fishing industry. Do you eat it in, like, do you go into the bathroom and eat the carp? Is it live when you eat Don't it? Don't think you eat it raw, no, mm. no. Um, no, no, no you're, you're, you're forgetting the traditional clubbing of the car <laughs> that happens on the afternoon of Christmas Eve. Oh, like sneak-whacking day. Yeah. Mm. Okay, in, uh, in Iceland, there is the tradition of everyone has to get a new piece of clothing for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that a tradition? Is that to keep the dogs off the scent? <laughs> to boost the, you're actually you're surprisingly close to, to, boost, to boost the clothing industry yeah I mean that's probably the, the real reason is it because basically if you're going to put on this new thing you may as well take a bath and you've been sewn into your clothes since like late May so is that how they roll in Iceland I don't know they're weird um, it's not that thing where they all sit around in their pyjamas reading books all night is it that sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. I'm not sure if that's Iceland or one of the old Scandinavian countries that I'm not very clear on. Scandinavians. Yeah, one of them. So, um, of course, uh, everyone has to have a new piece of clothing on Christmas uh, so that you don't get eaten by a giant cat. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, this cats is the clothes? Christmas cat, um, a large, vicious black feline. Um, wow. Who is believed to uh, be uh, belong to a family that was descended from trolls? Sure. And yeah. If you don't get a new uh, piece of clothing, you will get eaten by the Christmas cat. Okay, one the more. The clothing industry in Iceland is hardcore. <laughs> yeah, that's an aggressive advertising. Um, and finally, of course, uh, the classic tradition of the uh, pooping tree trunk. <laughs> oh, my favourite. It looks kind of Finnish, maybe. It's from. Catalonia. Catalonia. I have a vague recollection. Does anybody remember a TV show in the 90s called Eurotrash? <gasps> yes. And Jean-Paul Gaultier was one of the presenters of it. It was amazing. And I remember seeing this clip of people walking around with sticks hitting this mm. thing and yep. saying something and chanting something about it being poo. Yep. And it, that's just the kind of thing that sticks in your head for 20 years. <laughs> it um, looks really happy to be spanked, too. I'm just... That's, yeah. 
It's skidding off on it, yeah. Beat me, beat yeah. me. Um, uh, so here's the, here's the tradition um, uh, of uh, the kagatio. Um, so uh, you feed uh, things into the log and cover it with a warm blanket each where, night. Sorry, where do you feed it into? The... Um, the mouth you've painted on. Maybe that nose is like a stopper. Like a thing. Oh, I see. I see. I'm, ju- I'm just speculating there. Sure. Um, then at Christmas, the family gathers together, sings songs, puts the tio partly into the fire, and beats it with sticks until it excretes presents of candy, nuts, or figs. So it's a really weird figs, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. when it's finished pooping, it signals this by dropping salted herring. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of, did you know that it's 20 years since Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh? <gasps> wow. Straight to you from wannafeelold.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, that brings us to the end of the Christmas tradition round. Uh, ben, you must have an update now. Ho, 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 Brendan. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I can tell you that Die Hard are on 16 points. But the ho-ho-hos have gone under the tree and unwrapped the gift of sucking a little bit less. <laughs> For they are on 18 points. The ho-ho-hos. <laughs> Let's have the second part of the homework round. So this will be down to Moata and then Jeff. Uh, so what's, what's the classic story that you've... Okay, I'm just writing down sucking a little bit less because I think that's just one of the greatest compliments I've been paid. Were you looking for a New Year's resolution? (laughs) Straight to the journal. Dear journal today. Anyway, um, I decided to take um, that classic Christmas poem, um, Twas the Night Before Christmas, and I have reimagined it as the ending of the movie Bad Santa. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and down at the mall, Willie T. Soaks was scratching his balls. The vault was locked up in a back room with care in the hopes that no reprobate-safe crackers were near. Thurman was tucked up, all snug in his bed, while visions of sandwiches danced in his head, and Marcus, the Christmas elf, and his shrew of a wife were planning on ending old Willie Soaks' life. But what should appear? Oh, the cops have turned up. And now this whole heist's irretrievably fucked up. There's a lunatic police chase. And what do you think? Will Willie get to deliver that elephant that's pink? He did, he did, but got shot, ending up in a hospital bed. And what was it that that drunken lech said? I may be a bad Santa. Sure, that much is true. But Merry Christmas to all. And to all, fuck you. What a tomorrow. Uh, a rare entry into the canon of Bad Santa fan fiction. <laughs> uh, and Jeff. Right, my work is entitled Back to the Christmas Carol. Doc was dead to begin with. There could be no doubt about that. In 1885, he had been shot in the back by Buford Tannen in a quarrel over a matter of $80. This must be understood, or nothing wonderful will come of the story. <laughs> Marty McScrooge did not know Doc was dead. How could he? For it was 1985, and for all McScrooge knew, Doc was the friendly local old scientist who for some reason chose to hang out with a teenage boy and involve him in his experiments. 
But oh, McScrooge was a hip mid-80s teenager, a funky, radical, skateboarding, guitar-playing, aspiring rock star, quick to temper, but only if he was called a chicken. McScrooge had been summoned by Doc to the Twin Pines parking lot, where he beheld Doc, clad all in white, who exclaimed, Great Scott! and presented him with a most amazing vision, a horseless carriage that could move through time. You shall be taken on three journeys, Marty! Proclaimed Doc. <laughs> Expect the first in 1985. It will take you back to 1955. There, you shall meet your parents as teenagers, explore a literal Oedipal complex, and alter the course of your family history! <laughs> I think I'd rather not, proclaimed McScrooge, adjusting his sleeveless jacket. But it shall be a huge smash and make you a superstar! exclaimed Doc. McScrooge seemed more pleased. The second, Doc continued, shall come in 1989. It shall show you your future in 2015, then take you to an altar in 1985, necessitating a return to 1955 to correct the mistakes you made in the future, changing the past. <laughs> I'm confused, said McScrooge. It's the butterfly effect, Marty, said Doc. The third shall start in 1955. We must travel back to 1885, prevent my death, then steal a train to transport yourself forward to the present, which is 1985, even if the movie itself comes out in 1990, meaning you have been a teenager for the past five years! Jeez, Doc, said McScrooge. This is heavy. <laughs> and so it was that events transpired much as Doc had described. Marty did indeed visit 1955, 1885, and an alternative 1985, and these visions did much change him. In truth, upon the completion, he altered his own timeline, being less quick to anger, and truly learned the true spirit of the meaning of time travel. And Doc, who was not shot by Buford Tannen, nor by angry Libyans in the, in the Lone Pines parking lot, instead married, gave him children embarrassing names, and built a time machine from a flying locomotive. And, in the words of Doc, all it took was... 1.21 gigawatts, everyone! <laughs> Get back, everyone! All right, another difficult decision to make, so I will again shunt it on to Ben. <laughs> Meritorious unit commendation. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Um, we're just going to move straight into the next round. This is the Christmas Connections round. Mm-hmm. I will give you name some things. You'll tell me what connects those three things. So, uh, what connects Martians, the Devil, and the Ice Cream Bunny? Stop motion animation. Um, Christmas specials. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. No, yeah, novelty like... number one Christmas hits. Uh, no, oh, I. Weren't they part of those little, those little animated puppet things that were made into the whole things, like, um, you know, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer animation thing? The really one scary Santa one. Santa Claus meets the Martians, yeah. and Santa Claus meets... Yeah, you're, you're pretty much there. They're all things that Santa met or fought against mm. uh, in various Christmas movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have, um, let's see... Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. That is terrifying. Which, this is from uh, 1972. I just want to give you a quick summary of the plot. Um, so, let's see. So, Santa's, uh, Santa is delivering presents in Florida. His sleigh becomes mired in the sand, mm. and his reindeer have flown away to escape the I heat. Hate sand. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, so, uh, Santa summons children telepathically. Um, to come and help him, and um, then he eats them in the sewer. 
They bring uh, <laughs> several animals to help, including a pig, a sheep, a donkey, a horse, and a gorilla. Um, meanwhile, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn watch and comment on the action from a distance. And then, uh, when all the children's attempts fail, Santa encourages them to not give up hope by telling them the story of Thumbelina, which is just, they didn't play another film in its entirety, <laughs> which is the film Thumbelina, including credits. Um, which is longer than the uh, Santa Claus story around it. Um, in the end, the children summon the ice cream bunny, which is driving a fire truck, um, which gives Santa a ride. And then um, Santa's sleigh just magically teleports to the North Pole, which presumably he could have done at any point. That picture is nightmare fuel. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, that's going to eat something. I feel like they just went, what do kids like? They like ice cream. They like bunnies. They like fire trucks. Like, Let's just shit, put them all together somehow. <laughs> what, what, have, what, what have we got in our costume cupboard in our warehouse and our, like, B-reels? Oh, that is very much yeah. the case. In fact, um, 80% of the cast on IMDb are listed as stock footage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Christmas mashup. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so, and then we had um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yep. Um, uh, a little. That looks racist. Yeah, that looks so racist. Uh, they look like even more racist Oompa Loompas. <laughs> yeah, it's not the most. It's not the most racist racist Christmas special. No. It's the, um, the infamous bewitched Christmas special, where one of the girls um, tries to get to know her uh, African American friend better by magically painting her face black. Um, uh, so as. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Um, w- this is quite interesting. A famous Christmas character appears in film for the very first time in this film. Rudolph? Not Rudolph, yeah. <laughs> this is the very first Santa Claus movie. Uh, is Mrs. It, is Claus. It, Mrs. Claus is correct. Oh, oh, yes. nice. This is the first finally. filmic appearance of Mrs. Yeah. Claus. Uh, and finally we have Santa Claus versus the Devil sure. from 1959. <laughs> I, I watched, um, what was it called? Um, okay, why is the devil scared of Santa? Okay, like Santa's. Santa's oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> Merlin the wizard, Santa's most trusted assistant, gives Santa a sleep inducing powder and a flower that allows him to disappear. Um, this is Christmas brought to you by Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. yeah, then he retrieves a magic key that will open any door on earth from Vulcan and prepares his mechanical reindeer. Uh, on Earth, he has to do battle with three rude boys. Yeah. <laughs> not, not rude boys in like the Jamaican, yeah, no, rude no, boys. like London, just, just naughty boys. <laughs> and then the devil. Yeah. Why yeah. is Why is Satan wearing like bloomers, knickerbockers? <laughs> but I love that picture of Satan there because it looks like um, I saw recently the the film Hexen, the silent, uh, amazing Swedish film slash documentary about witches from 1922, and they all kind of looked a bit like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. Look, uh, Satan's not Jesus. Mm. I mean, Santa... Wait, wait, wait oh, a second. Oh, my God, we've hit something here. Yeah. Satan and Santa are very similar. No one's ever seen that before. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, we, we've got one more. Uh, what connects uh, a baby standing up for three hours, a bishop getting punched in the face... And three children pickled in brine. Christmas party. <laughs> uh, Guinness, Guinness Book of World Records broken on Christmas Day. 
Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what? Most punches to a bit of space? <laughs> Most children pickled in brine? <laughs> they are um, fates of people who cross centre. Um, like oh, that's pretty. That's 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 in the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. These are all legends of this guy, Saint Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> so when he was born. Um, Oh, he already performed two miracles before he was born. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But his his achieving features. <laughs> his third his third miracle um, in honor of the Virgin Mary, the newborn Saint Nicholas stood up on his own two feet without support for three hours. Uh-huh. His parents were like, "He's very advanced. Um, he does have that like thousand yard stare going." As a baby, he refused to breastfeed on Wednesdays and Fridays because those were holy days of fasting. And his mother was super relieved. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the uh, Council of Nicaea, um, he had a disagreement with another bishop, so he punched him in the face. Yep. As um, a baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is a picture of him as a baby when he had a beard. Um, and um, there's, a, there's a story that... Uh, a, so three young boys knocked on, the, on a butcher's door and asked if they could stay the night. The butcher chopped them up with an axe and threw them in a pickle barrel... Um, I saw that. That was season three of Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> um, seven years later, St. Nicholas dropped by and asked about the barrel full of dead bodies, which were apparently just sitting there. Yeah. Um, and uh, St. Like, Nic- like, like decorative lemons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he asked, because it's like, oh, that is so over. I want pineapples now. Mm. <laughs> and St. Nicholas put them back together and brought them back to life. Wow. Mm. So, uh, is zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that no, was the... No, Easter's the zombie holiday. <laughs> um, all right, uh, so that brings us to the end of our uh, Christmas episode. So it now goes over to Ben for the final scores. Ben, how are we doing? Ho, 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 Brendan. Mentos, the fresh maker. <laughs> <laughs> Two teams have arrived at Christmas lunch, but only one can claim the metaphorical figgy pudding that is victory. And that team is the Ho Ho Ho's! The Ho Ho Ho's, everyone! It's a Christmas miracle! (laughs) All right, folks, that brings us to the end of our Christmas special. Thank you very much for coming along. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and all those other things. Good night!